Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is confidence and assertiveness. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. So we have a really, really great episode for you. But before I introduce our guest, I actually wanted to let you know about not a little. It, it's probably a big change in the show. Um, and I wanted you guys to hear it from me first. Uh, you guys know and love Aisha as much as I do. Um, but as you've heard, she hasn't been able to make the records uh, as much in a while. Um, she's actually had some personal stuff going on. Um, and after some soul searching, because we're actually really good life friends, we had we had a really good talk. Um, where she told me that co-hosting was honestly not where her heart was. Um, and she asked to step back from that role. Um, now, Aisha, I'm going to make this very clear, is still part of Kind of Dating. Um, she's still part of the team and the family, but she prefers to focus on behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and obviously, as her friend first, I supported that. Um, I told her that people are going to miss you and they're going to think it's me. Um, But, uh, you know, we just wanted to clarify that. Uh, But honestly, guys, it's like, you know, I was thinking about this, like in any relationship, whether it's a friendship or a romantic partnership, people evolve. And uh, it's important to communicate where you're at. And admittedly, that part we had done very late because I was sensing something for a while, but I just, I didn't want to say anything. It's my really close friend. Um, I just thought like she would come to me, but, uh, you know, I understand that that felt like for her that maybe she was letting everybody down. Um, So, uh, you know, we communicated that, uh, we listened to each other and we found a compromise that works for us, which is that she uh, is going to continue handling stuff behind the scenes. So our Instagram, our new YouTube account, guys, we started a YouTube. um, And of course, I'm as sad as you are uh, because she has a wonderful buttery voice and wonderful opinions. And she's like my better half where I'm much more opinionated than probably any person needs to be. And she is like a good, yeah, she's like a very good, uh, you know, person to work off of. Um, but again, she has promised, she did promise that she would come back from time to time. So we're not losing her. Um, she's still part of the BTS team. Um, so guys, Aisha is not breaking up with us, but I wanted you to hear this change from me first. And uh, like I said, I will do my best to uh, fill her wonderful shoes. Nobody will ever be Aisha. But for now, you're just stuck with me. So in case you hear or don't hear her, that is why. Um, That lovely voice you're hearing on the side is our guest that I'm going to introduce in a second. But uh, before I do that, if you do like what you hear, please screenshot the episode, tag us, and tell us what you thought of it. Um, We're on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. And like I said, we just launched a new YouTube. It's YouTube Kind of Dating. Please, please go subscribe to us there. Help us out as we grow the channel. I know it's a long, long time coming, guys. But, you know, we're a small but nimble team. We do what we can when we can. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you hear it. On Spotify, we've started a new Q&A and poll 
Um, so if you're a Spotify listener, please go there and engage with that. Um, tell us what you think and we'll uh, actually publish your comments and hopefully try to add them into the episode um, when possible. So uh, please do that. And if you haven't already, leave us a five-star rating or review, man. Right? Like that's how we all grow. Um, we appreciate everybody who has, but if you haven't, it really helps us a lot. Um, and I'm on Instagram and the socials and all that stuff, but I'm more complicated. Uh, so I'm at Natasha Chindale on Instagram, Natasha Dot Chindale on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chindale on Twitter. Um, somebody fucking took all my names. They took my handles. I was like, what the fuck? Well, you gotta fuck? get ahead of it so many I, years in advance. And now, it's yeah. like, and they never use it. That's what I mean. Oh. It's terrible. But guys, just go to my Instagram. There's a good link tree there. It'll, it'll tell you where I'm at. Um, I also started a new Amazon shop. So I share everything from my favorite books, uh, including books from this podcast and uh, how to start a podcast yourself. There's a podcast starter kit there for you. So check it out. Okay, we did it. We got through all the business of the episode. Um, uh, I really, really want to introduce uh, this guest. She's been so patient today, but uh, I'm so excited because she is so, so, so smart and such a great speaker and such a lovely person and mad pregnant right now. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, I want to introduce guys, therapist, business and relationship mentor, Talia Bombola. Thank you. Hello. Hello. How are it's, you? It's good to meet you in person. It's been a long time coming. It, it has. It really has. Yeah. Uh, and and I love it. You're also a fellow podcaster. Mm -hmm. um, well, well, you have like three podcasts. I was a bit of an overachiever. Yeah, still am. Uh, definitely slowed down with the baby. Um, I have Between Two Clinicians, Heal Through Humor, so similar like comedy type. And then we have the Couples Guide podcast. That's pretty much purely relationship and dating advice from two couples therapists. So we get a different perspective than a lot of the other dating podcasts. Because I've heard so many be introduced like, we're not therapists. I'm like, we are though. So <laughs> here's it, different advice. It helps. <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. I mean, yeah. you, wait, is your partner also a therapist? Mm -mm. He's oh. a fireman. Oh, okay. Yeah. So no, I would not. I don't want to be with a therapist. It's you nice. literally got the hot fireman <laughs> yeah. fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I worked very hard for that though. So that's amazing. Yeah. So wait, we we missed the yes. the question, but yes. single or in a relationship? Definitely in a relationship. Okay. Yeah. Having how, a baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, you know, there's no judgment nowadays. Everybody does their thing. Three years. Over three years. Wow. Yeah. We met on Hinge, actually. Oh my gosh. I that's know. where me and my boyfriend met. I love that. It actually is very successful. I'm I'm obviously biased with my dating coaching clients. I'm like, try it out. And they're like, you're just saying that because you met him there. And I'm like, well, yes, but I have proof. Like yeah. I have living proof. I was on apps for so long before we met. It's interesting. I truly, I, was, I swear to God, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, I never, ever thought I would meet anybody on an app because I, I didn't use it much before. Sure. And I was just like, this is never gonna. Not for me, yeah. It, it just, I didn't feel like my style, but mm. I, whenever I tried it, I was like, let me give it a shot. And that yeah. time I, I like gave it a much more intentional shot. Mm -hmm. um, and now looking back, I'm like, wow, I would not have guessed that that would have been my way. Because yeah. I've talked about it a lot on the podcast where it's like, it wasn't my thing. Mm -hmm. But you never but know. That's yeah. the thing, right? You just have to be open because you never know. I think that's yeah. it too. Because so many people will look at it passively like, oh, I'll just check it occasionally. It's Well, if you're having a relationship with whatever method you're using to date, whether that's going out in person, dating online, what have you, if you're only doing it passively, what kind of results would you expect if not 
passive, non-committal. Like the energy you put into it is usually the energy that you get out of it, I would say. So being intentional, even if it's just for that short spurt, usually yields an actual partnership rather than just a date. No, it's very true. And also like, um, you know, I think a lot of us, I was very guilty of this, uh, you know, using apps when I was just like in a shitty moment. So I was just like bored or I I called it window shopping. I was window shopping a lot. Mm -hmm. I just want, I was just bored. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's 2 a.m. and Why it's not? a Wednesday night. And I'm yeah. like, okay, Maybe like, well. let's just see what's out there. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's like, then you're hoping that somebody just moves you off your mm-hmm. feet. But you know, you're like not even trying. Yeah. You're just, and that's what I called a friend out recently. Cause he's like, I'm on these apps all the time and nobody. And I looked at it. I was like, dude, you literally gave one word responses Ooh. and every picture yeah. had you drinking in it. That's and good. and I'm like and not that he's a drunk at all I was but like but it portrays looks like him you're as a drunk. such yeah <laughs> and he was like oh my god I never thought of it but he, and then he said hey right I started it when I was just in like a shitty moment and I just didn't put any thought into it yeah and I was like it's okay, like using well. the same resume from college with like the super childish email address and you're like I don't know why I'm not getting any bites it's like I don't know why there's 420 and 69 in your email address though so maybe I have a hunch <laughs> mine used to be cutie underscore 2084. You really like the underscore. Yeah, yeah. I really do. I don't <laughs> know why. True, it's, like good. A, it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> makes you distinct. No, I don't true. know. I wanted to make it harder for people. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're a great, you literally tour and speak yes. and do keynote speeches on confidence and assertiveness. And of course, you, for you, you also talk about it with women and, and entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. but you have this amazing focus on dating. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important thing. We haven't talked about this in a long time. And so this was perfect. I was like, oh my God, yes, we need to do this again. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with yeah. this, but can you first explain to people what is the difference between confidence and assertiveness? Are they the same thing? I think they are correlated and interwoven. Uh, how I'd like to define confidence is a self-assuredness in your strengths and as well as your weaknesses. So it's not necessarily that you have no flaws or that you're egotistical or think nothing's wrong. You're sure of yourself and you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know, and you're okay with being able to be wrong or corrected or the way you carry yourself. You feel like you're comfortable in your own body. You feel like you know yourself and you're willing for other people to Uh, share their view of you as well. And if it aligns, then it can be like a confirmation. Oh, I am confident. And I think the way that people carry themselves does ring true. If you walk into a room, you can tell even by somebody's body language, if they're more meek or if they're more outgoing or are they social because they want to be the life of the party or are they really sure of themselves? So I think being confident does equate to being sure of yourself. And again, including even if there's parts of you that you're like, yeah, I'm working on that, or I don't really know about this yet. At least you're vocal about it. And then assertiveness is a skill not everybody has developed. Some have developed almost too much and it borders into aggressive or pushy and it doesn't come across the way that ideally they'd want it to. And that's being able to stand up for yourself and stand up for other people. That's how I teach my clients. Oh, that's a really great uh, distinction between the two. And, and it's, do you find that people in some areas are very confident and assertive mm-hmm. and for some reason and in others, others are, are not? not? There's usually some 
string, like there's some genesis of why they can point to, well, this thing happened to me in childhood, or I had this experience with a friend and that's gotten in the back of my head because I don't want to disappoint another person. Or I brought this up with a friendship, uh, with a friend and a friendship and I lost that friend over it. So now I never want to ask for what I need. So usually there's some common thread as to why it might not be possible in one area, but possible in another area. And there are different temperament styles of people. There are people who are just overall more confident than others, and that can relate to their big five personality factors. So if they're more disagreeable than agreeable, some there's like a level to it. But if you're too agreeable, you could be a people pleaser. So then you'd be nice, but being nice isn't being kind. Being nice is just telling other people what they want to hear, and being kind is telling people what they need to hear in a way that ideally doesn't hurt their feelings intentionally. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's um there's a book that I have on my bookshelf here somewhere <laughs> called uh, Why Men Love Bitches. Ah. And I think it talks about that. It's like, oh, a bitch isn't um isn't somebody who's, you know, what we correlate mm-hmm. in our head as being a bitch. She's not mean. Mm-mm. She's she's smart but kind. Mm-hmm. And uh and that kindness factor. I I mean, do, for for women do you find some of that also comes a little bit with age? Like when we're younger, we're kind Usually. of a little bit more timid. I, yeah, but I also like when we become mad, when people have hurt us enough, mm-hmm. we turn into the mean Dragon jaded lady, side. Is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then we all kind of have to mm-hmm. find that middle ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, yeah, it, it happened to me. Where we most often as women are. We have more self-esteem until around 12 to 13 when puberty often hits. Obviously, there's outliers. It can happen earlier or later that we go inward because even depression, like incidence rates of depression in boys and girls up until 12 is like a one-to-one, but after puberty, it's a two-to-one for women. Mm -hmm. So we go inward. We're very critical. Oftentimes, we're socially aware. We don't want to be in the social out group. We want to make sure we fit in, which we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and the way that women are more socially aggressive and relationally aggressive, it differs from the way that men are. Men are not often, it's like the scene in Mean Girls where we're looking at it and it's like the skirt example where it's like, oh, that's such a cute skirt. Even the tone, the uptick, the chin tilt, all of those things. Women can read between the lines on that and we can sense that. Guys will be like, oh yeah, she liked her skirt. Like there's not, there's not that difference <laughs> yeah. because they don't have that social and relational aggression. They're more direct with their aggression. That's why the, the stereotypic example, they'll go fight on the playground and then be done. They're like, yeah, we wrestled, we got it out of our systems and now we're best friends again. We don't have that. We'll carry grudges for years. We'll be really nice to your face, but really mean behind your back. And then when you confront us about it. So I think all of that plays into feeling confident or feeling sure of yourself up until a certain point. Adolescence is usually a time of questioning. Who am I? Where do I fit in? Who do I want to be around? And sometimes that phase doesn't end even in your 20s and 30s. So a lot of the women, people in general, but women I work with had some wound happen to them in that adolescent phase or something went untended to. And there's always, I say that rarely, but in this case, they feel as though there's always going to be that part of them that's 13 or 14, who's never enough, who's never good enough, who can't work past it. And that's the version of them that they're dating from. They're not dating from their adult self. They're dating from that wound and that fear they're going to be found out. Hey friends, it's your girl, Natasha Chandale, and I've got some really cool news to share. I'm finally offering one-on-one virtual dating coaching. That's right. You've been sliding in my DMs for years, but 
let's finally chat face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom. If you're in a dating rut, let's get you out. I'm the friend you never had and the honest dating coach you need. Whether you're in a relationship or looking for one, I'm here to talk through your problem, provide personalized guidance, and find a solution. For all you loyal listeners, you know that I had a string of unhealthy relationships. After escaping an abusive one, I decided to take accountability for my love life, healed myself, and put myself on a path to dating success. I am now in a happy, healthy relationship and want to help empower you in your dating journey too. I want to get you to an empowered state where you're making dating decisions from a positive, secure place. So when the stars align and you meet that right person, you're ready to welcome them. My approach is honest, practical, because I've actually dated in the modern landscape, optimistic, and I tend to go deep. And as a woman of color and an immigrant, I understand the nuances of many cultures. And with my background as a comedian, we'll probably have some laughs along the way. If you're ready to take control of your dating life, let's chat. Go to our new website, www.kindadating.com slash services for 50% off your first introductory session. That's right, 50% off your first introductory dating coaching session. Go to www.kindadating.com slash services and book your dating coaching session with me today. Talk soon. Yeah, that's that. That's very interesting to learn that how how different it is for girls and boys too at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother was bullied when he was young, and I remember. Um, I don't think I've ever talked about this out loud, but it's fine. Um, he doesn't like me talking about his stuff too much, that's but fair. it's okay. Like, this is helpful to people. He was a, he was bullied a lot. He was beaten up once, mm. like really badly, yeah. where the cops were called. Like oh he literally got beaten up with bats by oh like seven guys, <gasps> and uh, and I was there. And a couple of those guys were guys in my class because m- my brother and mm. I have a two two and a half okay. year difference. Okay. So they were somewhere in my cl- grade and uh, somewhere in his grade. Sure. And um, years later, my brother was totally fine with them as if like mm-hmm. nothing had happened. Mm, like water under the bridge. Like mm. once he had grown, you know, he finished mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. He was like, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, like, hey, what's up? I couldn't speak to those people. I'm that way too. <laughs> for... Yeah. Like Still ever. Probably, there were, yeah. there were a couple of them that I was like, okay, because mm-hmm. they were really good friends with some of my friends that I like to let it go it, yeah. at some point. But I always remembered it. And mm-hmm. I was like, how could you forget that? And mm-hmm. me, I have like a, I take a lot. I, and, but once you cross that line, yep. I'm done. That's how I am too. Done. Yeah. Like, Blacklist yes, done. You are yeah. mafia out. level. You you're dead exist. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just recently went to a friend's wedding and there was somebody that I used mm-hmm. to be friends with there and I had no. I was just like I'm very neutral, guys, but mm-hmm. I'm not acknowledging her existence yeah. because no, to me, too. it's the equivalent of a stranger at this point. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be fake. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, how you would be with a real stranger. I'm not trying to make eye contact with a random stranger and talk to them and stuff. So I'm like, that's it. And and I remember my boyfriend was like. You you really did that. I was like, I, yeah, and I, I don't do think I was being mean. I think I was literally You're being indifferent. Yeah. But because we're like, so socially conditioned to be pleasant and welcoming and kind, like there's all these constructs that come in of how we, whether that's a certain age group, a certain gender, a certain uh, ideology, how we are supposed to be. And I think in dating, that's where we're seeing a lot of constructs change that people aren't presenting as they 
should be or as we expect. But that's when the negative comes in of then, oh, well, she was such a bitch. Or did she politely reject your advance because she wasn't interested? I, I guess that was more it. It's just so quick to label and makes us feel better if we make the other person the bad object instead of noticing in ourselves, oh, maybe my approach was off. Maybe I shouldn't have said that she had a nice rack as my opener. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's tough because sometimes like it's not because anybody did something wrong. It's mm-hmm. just sometimes like not somebody is just not into you but that if way. you have that idea of how long you've spent fantasizing or making the person up to be something else in your head, even if it's at a bar and you're like for 30 minutes, you know, projecting onto this girl, she's so hot, she's this, she's that or guy, whatever. You muster this up, you've built it up in your head already. So naturally the stakes are higher. If it goes well, you'll put more into it. And if it doesn't go well, you'll be worse, usually meaner to yourself because you're like, well, she was supposed to be this. And then she w- you spent too much time in like the fantasy version of the person. Whereas if you're like, oh, they're attractive, let me give it a shot. If I get rejected, no worries, leaves me the rest of the night to find somebody else. Or if it works out, I can spend the evening with this person, whatever that would mean to you. Looking at it from a more growth-based mindset, I think helps rather than it being like, well, she should have, should is not in my vocabulary often. Yeah. And also, I mean, I try to remind people that like, you're not going yeah. out with every single person not who's everybody you in that you're your interested life. in is interested in you. Yeah. Like, and you, you've done it to people it, yes, too. But it's like, okay. But it's, it's, but it's, o- o- it's double standard. It's okay if I do it. It's not okay if other people, because I don't want the owies of rejection. Yeah. <laughs> I want everybody to be immediately interested in me and let me be the one rejecting them. That's what I would like. <laughs> it's so true. And like, I know for me, the shift in my dating life happened when I started taking those rejections as um, like learning the truth. That was what I I literally was like, oh, I think the point is to get to the truth faster. Mm -hmm. And the truth in that moment doesn't mean that truth can't change, which is like maybe you ask this person out again a year from now and the timing is right. Yes. But in this current moment, if somebody doesn't show up for you, if you ask them out and they reject you, Mm -hmm. if you swipe and they're not swiping on you, it's just the truth of that moment, which is that person's not a fit at that time. Yes. And you just have to move on. And that's the confidence piece is knowing that because somebody rejects the advance you're making doesn't mean they're rejecting you as a person or that it equates to your unworthiness as a person and being able to assert yourself. And if it's somebody that, let's say you're in like a class with them, I don't recommend usually dating coworkers. Shitting where you eat is not a good idea. It's just not a good, don't recommend that. Uh, When you're, if you're in a class with somebody, if you, a workout class, college, whatever it might be, you have mere exposure effects. So people you're around more often, you tend to be more attracted to because you have mere exposure to them. In any other setting, if you saw them once, you may not be attracted at all. And that's often the case that it builds over time, but you don't want to build that delusional fantasy too much that by the time you ask them out, you take such a hit of like, well, I already built our life together. Like you can't really say no. So being confident is, okay, if it works out, great. If not, no skin off my back, I will move on to the next person because my goal, having a clear goal in dating and what you're looking for, ideally, obviously with a specific person matters most but the goal needs to remain the goal. If that person is highlighted, they're not going to be a good fit. Why waste your time pining over them? Thank them, move on, find the next person. Yes. And I I loved what you said, which is so important for people to absorb, which yeah. is like, just because they're not into yeah. that, it, into yes. you in that moment doesn't mean they're not 
they're saying and, you are a bad right, person. Or that no one will ever be interested yeah. in you. It just is like, again, there's 7 billion people. I'm yeah. like, you want every 7 billion people to like you? That's no. just some next level yeah, narcissism. Yeah, you'd never have time like, to date. Exactly. It really would be. Yeah. I'm like, calm down. Like, not everybody's <laughs> going to like you. It's like yes. the whole fucking point. I feel like that should be everyone's mantra every morning. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where the agreeableness trait varies for people. Like, I'm, I think, 20-something percent. I'm not a very agreeable person. So when I am, I'm really passionate about it. But for the most part, I'm like, no, yes, I'm very blunt. And I've had people like, geez, that was, I'm like, yeah, disagreeable. I get it. But so many people that I'm around client-wise are so agreeable that I'll make a recommendation that really is not that offhand. And they're like, I could never, like, I could never say that. I'm like, well, you, you have to figure out your own way to say it. I'm not saying do it how I would, because that feels natural to me. But you also need to be less agreeable because then if everybody likes you, you're going to be going on dates with people who aren't really a good match, leading people on or be accused of leading people on. It's okay to tell someone, no, no, thank you. This isn't a good fit. I'm not feeling what I need to be feeling for this to continue. Like there are kind ways to let someone down. It doesn't have to be rude or mean, but that's where the whole assertiveness piece comes in. If you're passive or passive aggressive, you take, 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 you just get so beat down that finally you explode. And the other person's like, whoa, they used to be so nice. What's going on? And it's like, well, they just had enough of your shit. And they had kind of betrayed themselves for so long. They didn't speak up about something. Now they are speaking up about it, but they don't have the words for it. So it's coming out sideways. It's, uh, you know, you reminded me of like, I used to literally be that person. So I have worked a lot as a uh, over time and not just my confidence and speaking up and mm -hmm. boundaries. Mm -hmm. And now I, I almost over communicate. Mm -hmm. I say everything all the time. Yeah. Uh, so especially my boyfriend, I'm like, <laughs> I don't wait the way I used to. Exactly. But I used to wait. And I remember I used to, notorious for this, that I would date somebody, something would happen because in general, I don't speak my mind right away. I need to process my emotions mm -hmm. a lot more. And there's definitely a perfectionism of it where I like didn't want to be wrong in a situation. Yes. So I wouldn't allow, allow myself to feel. Uh, I would analyze yep. whatever happened in a hundred different ways mm -hmm. to go, was I making this up in my head or is what mm -hmm. this person did mm -hmm. fucked up? Mm -hmm. And then when I finally realized yes. it was fucked up, yeah. it was like two weeks later, always. Yep, of course. And then I would come back. And now in the two weeks, I have also accumulated a bunch of other things that I've realized yes, all the were data. problems. Yes, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. and the veil has lifted. Yeah, I definitely analyzed all that uh -huh. data. And then I would approach them and go, hey, and I would do it as a joke. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> remember that time that you did Downplay that like it. two weeks ago? Um, yeah, it was fucked up for A, B, C, D, E, F, G reason and all these the other Rolodex. things. And didn't uh -huh. realize that that person on the other side was like, what? What? And then we're like, how could you not be so aware of this? And then, of course, they and become no the joke, bad object, like right? That, yep. Yeah. Every time I had a discussion with somebody, the relationship would end. Mm -hmm. And so in my brain... You stored it, not intentionally oftentimes, but you'd stored it for so long that then saying it out loud, your body's probably like, why would you stay with this person if you have this list of shit yeah, they've but done? It would, actually, it was them. They, mm -hmm. you know, not always, but like one way or the other, the relationship ended. There were yeah. times I did and there were times they did, sure. right? Makes sense. But But it was... Uh, it took me years later that I went back and called some of those exes and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of sorry. I like didn't know how to like <laughs> deal with stuff then. And one of them said, you know, Tash, it's not that anything you were asking for was too much. It's just you were never able to express the high standards you had for somebody. Yes. So when it came out, it was like too much. Of course. Because 
again, it was all bottled and up and everything didn't was- sign up to be that version that you were requesting. Had you said that from the start, who knows if those relationships ever would have taken off because exactly. they could have been like, that's not me. What you're describing is not for me, but we play it cool. Yep. We're just like, whatever. It's so cool. And I'm in a relationship and I'm like, I don't have needs. Like, what? I'm so <laughs> like, this chill. Is totally fine. It'll, this is so chill to like six out. months and you're like, what? Yeah. No, that's Again? exactly it. Great. And, and then I had to like learn to actually just speak my yes. mind in the moment. And feel confident I still to do it. can't do it right away, but I'm like within, within a day. That's a much better timeline than two so, weeks or more. Yeah. I'm kind of like, and now at least like my, my partner knows, okay, she's mad. She gets quiet. Mm -hmm. So he's like learned the signal processor. Yeah. And I'm like, I get really quiet. And then I'm just like, now I process a lot faster. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, just say what's mm -hmm. on your mind mm -hmm. and then figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it is like a learning curve, right? But people totally. can learn this. Yes, people can learn how to be confident and the skills to be assertive, absolutely. Kinda daters. Are you a catch but not getting any matches on your dating app profile? Then Profile Booster is perfect for you. It's a brand new service offered by Kinda Dating to optimize your dating app profile so you can reflect the best version of yourself online and get the matches you deserve. With sometimes five pictures and three prompts, it's hard to showcase your full self. You'll be working with me, Natasha Chandale, a dating expert and professional screenwriter, and Luis Miranda, a veteran brand strategist with a track record of success. Oh, and we're a real-life couple. After a string of our own failed relationships and shitty dates, Luis and I individually decided to get more intentional about our love lives. We crafted dating app profiles that stood out, were memorable, and were authentically us. We matched on a dating app just three weeks before the pandemic lockdown and recently celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Since then, we've successfully helped friends do the same and now want to help you. We'll customize a plan just for you so you can showcase your authentic voice and image to attract the right match for you. Ready to boost your love life? Profile Booster is available now at an incredibly affordable price. Visit www.kindadating.com slash services and let's transform your dating profile and get you more matches today. So like you, you have had many clients over the years and when it comes specifically to this area of confidence and assertiveness, what do you think is the biggest thing standing in the way of people channeling that within themselves? I would say the top three things that I would notice are some sort of disconnect or lack of repair from childhood with one or both parents. And that narrative is constantly playing in the person's head or trying to seek the approval of parents, trying to find a partner who's good enough for your parents might not look like at all what's, who's the right fit for you, let alone good enough. Uh, somewhere along the way in dating, there was some sort of belief that developed or some sort of incident that was like, oh, I can't be confident. I can't speak up for my needs. And then there, that almost preempts every other fear that you have moving forward. Well, what if it ends up like this last one? Or what if my other partner cheats like the first one did? So there's some sort of connection to, I don't know that I can be assertive because what if I end up alone? So fear of being alone is also another one that I would say that people struggle with if they aren't currently confident and assertive usually the reasons are something from childhood, something from a previous relationship, or there's a fear. What if I do those things and I end up a certain way, fill in the blank with whatever that is, alone, unhappy, not 
all the while realizing when you lead with that authenticity that you're actually afraid that somebody might discover along the way, you're increasing the likelihood that you'll stay in the relationship that's the right fit for longer. But we're so afraid to have needs as human beings in evolutionary psychology, and we're so afraid to have flaws because in social psych, you don't want to be so perfect that you're in a separate outgroup. And if you're the only one in an outgroup, it's lonely. It's not until other people join a new ideology that it's like, oh, I have my people around. So we have this almost uh, tightrope that we have to walk in this social ecosystem where we're, we're, we feel like we're good enough. Other people feel like we're good enough. We're not too good that we get pushed out of the group, but we're not so not good that we get left behind. And that's a lot for us to be managing behind the scenes. And it especially comes true in relationships because people want to not be alone, but there's so much that we avoid if we don't get through that phase of our life knowing we can be alone. We are fucking complex. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are like a it's mosaic. It's insane. <laughs> it's true. It's insane. Yeah. But you're also right that that idea about um, learning to be alone, like that was also something I had specifically trained myself to do because mm-hmm. I realized, oh, I was being, I was being guided by my fear of dying alone. Yeah. And then I said, okay, well then what if I just embrace… <laughs> that yeah. I'm going to die alone. And I literally just became so comfortable and content with that. Yes. That then I was like, exactly. oh, great. Well, oh, now do this. if anybody else comes into yeah. my life, you got to be a bonus. bonus. Yes. Exactly. And we're we're alone even when we're in relationships. Like we're not with our, hopefully that's codependency. If you are with them all the time, that's mm-hmm. a whole other episode. You don't want to be, you want to be with somebody that you want to be around all the time, but you don't necessarily want to be with somebody where you need to be around them all the time for the relationship to function. And there are going to be moments where you want alone time and that you need to be alone because they're traveling for work. You need a break. They need a break. You're at work. Like there has to be times where you're individuated differently and there's times where you're connected. And I think the most successful relationships have mastered that fluidity where you're connected and you're individuated and you're connected and you're individuated. It's not, let me just do everything that you like to do so I don't end up alone well, I, I want somebody who can just hang out on a Friday night and go to bed at nine o'clock or whatever if I'm going to go out rather than being up texting me like, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? I need you to have your own life before oh, yeah. I let you in my life. Yeah. Uh, my uh, partner is also a DJ. And so he's in advertising marketing is like his day job, but he also mm-hmm. DJs. And so last night he had to go to a party and he had to meet some people and they mm-hmm. had to like a networking thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, you want to come? I was like, absolutely not. Um, not as so much I as was, I don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I really don't. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you go enjoy. Mm-hmm. And like, that was it. You went out for dinner. You went out yeah. to the thing. I was like, cool. Come back when you come back. Yeah. And, and I texted him. Yourself. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm going to bed. Yeah. So good night. Drive safe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and like, that's it. And mm-hmm. you know, you just have to trust the person you're with and yes. and yes. also just speak up because I know I wouldn't have been happy going out that night knowing mm-hmm. I had podcasts today mm-hmm. and I was like, I really don't want to. Yes. So, um, and you knew the relationship wasn't going to be at stake if you said no. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and at least like everybody got to do what they got it. They wanted yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what are some ways, like, you know, you said that, that there were those, some of those three things that, that, are in people's minds mm-hmm. that are standing in the way of their confidence and assertiveness. What do you tell people? Like, how do they get through that? The first question, I dive very deep, very quickly. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> I feel like it's once you've gone, I've not actually, which is ironic, gone scuba diving, but once you've gone scuba diving and you've like adjusted yourself to like the lower levels of the water, obviously you have to pace yourself to come back up. So I try to psychologically meet somewhere in the middle with clients. 
I ask them to gauge which of those questions that it might be or which of those kind of starting points it might be at what point in your childhood or in your adolescence or what have you, at what point did you feel like you were unlovable? I know Mm. that there's moments where we all feel loved and connected and we can look ideally back on our childhood fondly. My curiosity, more being depth-based, is what moments did you feel like you weren't lovable? What moments did you feel the most outcast? What are some pain points that we can go back to and see if there's any similarity at all in this dating pattern or in this romantic pattern, especially with therapy clients? That's like the bread and butter of the kind of therapy I do with psychoanalysis with couples where does this stem from? Because you're seeing your partner as a projection of your parent. You're not seeing them for the real person. You're either afraid that your parents' marriage is going to come true in your marriage, or you're pushing for your parents' marriage to come true in your marriage. Not that there's no in-between, but I'm all about the sub and unconscious. So I want to go like right to the bottom of the psyche. Let's play there for a little while and then see how that plays out in your conscious waking life. And my favorite thing when clients say is like, I never knew. I didn't realize. And I'm like, yes. Now cry and say it more. No. (laughs) It's like every therapist's sick fantasy when you're crying. We're like, yes. Like secretly cheering you on. Mainly because some clients have never cried. So to be the person to witness that, it's like a gift that we some tapped something in their mind that they were able to release and express sadness through tears. That's why I like it because I know how much of a release it is. And every animal, every mammal is born with the instinct that they need to survive. Babies are born knowing how to cry. So if you don't know how to cry, you're muting a huge survival instinct. You need to be able to release that emotional constipation. And I think tears can be a great way to do that. So that's at least why I like seeing clients have that connection and that breakthrough. The waterfall happens because that will stick with that client. I cry all the time in therapy. I cry so much. It's like blubbering crying (laughs) My therapist just knows. Like, yeah. Anytime I talk about anything <laughs> emotional, I just cry. And there we are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she just knows it. But like, I actually, I've done different modalities of therapy mm-hmm. in, in my career and uh, in, in my career of my life. Yes. That's what I meant. Yeah. Not my career. Um, it can feel like a career yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I love it. And I, I tell people I started for years with psychoanalysis mm. and it was one of the hardest things I have ever done. Mm-hmm but uh, it healed me in a very different way. I didn't realize, like you said, that there were things. Mm -hmm. I had never talked about it out Mm -hmm. loud. I didn't identify it and just crying it out. And then, but, but I think people have a hard time not just in the moment of crying it out, but sitting in that feeling afterwards, Mm -hmm. because that is where the work begins, Mm -hmm. right? Is identifying something in therapy and then going back and sitting with those emotions and working through it right. and then being aware of it in the future. Mm-hmm. That those behaviors that were that were sparking mm-hmm. whatever in you. Right. Um, but that was like the most beautiful work that I had done. Yeah. You know? It's the deepest. Yeah. I, that will always be my passion in life, honestly. Yeah. yeah you must hear a lot of shit. All, all the time. Constantly. You know, the, the it's funny because I always tell people like the best compliment I ever got was from that, my psychoanalysis mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. therapist. Analyst, yeah. And um, she said to me, um, you know, I've heard a lot of stories. She's like, you've had a really fucked up life. She she actually said, um, you're actually really well adjusted for somebody with such a fucked up you're life. Like, Thank you. 
And I was like, oh. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what we Thanks. take as a compliment? You're like, it's like, yeah, nice. <laughs> this is like a great backhanded compliment, but but I'm actually kind of like, oh, I'm pretty adjusted. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's it is a compliment yeah. to be well adjusted. I mean, better than her being like, yeah, you're a lost cause. I have a whole episode on that in one of my podcasts. I can't remember which one. Somebody asked like, is there ever a lost cause? I'm like, no, there's people who view themselves as a lost cause ipso facto than you would be, but no therapist would ever look at a case and be like, oh, they're beyond help. Well, nobody's a lost cause, but some people really don't want to do the work. They don't want to go on the path to fixing themselves. So there's, yeah, there's always that, like, you know, I talk to friends all the time about their dating stuff yeah. and like they, their answer is always an excuse. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, it just sounds like you just don't want to change. So yeah. cool. Just keep doing what you're yeah. doing. And yeah. I don't know. Like they're like in pre-contemplation or contemplation. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, they're not ready fine. to change or take yeah. action. Yeah. There are people who just want to vent. And now yeah. I ask people, I'm like, you want to just want to vent? Yeah. Cool. Cause then I'm not going to yes. fucking waste my time suggesting. Do you want my support or my opinion? Yeah. Anything to you. Yeah. Um, what are some ways specifically that, you know, guys and girls, people mm-hmm. can gain more confidence, especially in the dating side? I think the big things that we hear, especially from men, is that they struggle with like the initial stages, like actually going up and talking to a girl mm-hmm. and, and getting her. Do you get this? How do you get them to like you? Yeah. I'm like, they're not. <laughs> yeah. On a machine, you can't gettable. You can't make yeah. them do <laughs> What's something. your type? Gettable. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but having the courage to talk to somebody, and then I think for women, it tends to be like later in a relationship, or once a relationship is established, mm-hmm. and it's more about expressing needs and wants. Needs. Yeah, I would agree with that. For the men that I work with, the advice I give in the beginning, especially if they have a fear of rejection, is understanding where that fear comes from, and can we work with it in a way that you actually make, paradoxically, you make rejection the goal? <laughs> Not that you are rude or or trying to have them reject you, but you understand that the stakes might be higher, that they'll reject you than accept your advance. So if that happens, your brain is almost tricked to be like, oh, wait, that's exactly what I was expecting, moving on. And then if they actually want to date you or, or pursue something with you, then the brain's like, oh, what a fun surprise, rather than going in with this over falsity of confidence sometimes. And this false sense of self-assuredness, like we talked about earlier, that everybody's going to like me and why doesn't every person I approach think that I'm the perfect fit for them? Well, first of all, that wouldn't be sustainable. Second of all, it's not true. If you go in more neutrally or expecting that it's going to work out the way that it's supposed to work out, even using neutral language, rejection doesn't feel as painful. And separating rejection of an advance from rejection of self and teaching guys that they're most motivated by winning. So how, not how can they gamify dating necessarily, but how could they make it a game in terms of let's amortize over the whole night. Can you approach five girls? Let's look at some statistics, like still treating people as people, but they're far more motivated by what they can win or what they can produce or accomplish. And women are more motivated in this way by avoiding criticism so it doesn't mean we're not interested in a guy, but this advice floating around social media now is like, let the guy pursue, but don't also then, if you're interested, don't let them not know that you are. It's like such competing. You have to, if you're interested, there's a way to flirt that puts the ball in their court that then you can go enjoy the rest of their night, your night. If they're interested, they ideally will approach you because they have that proof. Oh, I won't get rejected if I go hit on her. And I think it was... I was still, I was with my partner at the time, but we were separate. I think he was living 
he moved away to do some baseball coaching for a, a few months of our relationship. And I would still Fireman and yeah. baseball coach? What the fuck? <laughs> he used to play pro baseball. So then he shifted his career to He's be a fireman. just like the He's perfect, perfect. He hot He really dude. is. I don't yeah. even know what he looks like, but <laughs> no, it sounds yeah. like, it's, yeah. It's a dream, truly. I, I'm living a dream and it's real life. <laughs> and I remember there was this guy at the bar and he, uh, I'm, I'm married, I'm not blind is the joke, you know? And I was like, oh, he's cute. And I could see that he was trying to approach. And I walked up and I said, hey, I could be reading it wrong, but I couldn't help but notice it It looked like you wanted to come up to me. He was like, oh my gosh, was I that obvious? And I was like, it's not a bad thing, dude. Like, we're good. I'm just letting you know, like, just go up to the girl next time. Like it turned into an inadvertent dating coaching. And he was like, I was just worried. I was like, you're not going to get rejected. Like, I'm like, whatever girl you walked up to at whatever bar we were at, if they screwed you over before, I'm sorry. But like, not every girl's going to be like that. And I think for him, that was probably a really reparative experience because I, it wasn't like I was hitting on him or being disrespectful to my relationship, but I could see a cue. And I'm like, this is a great opportunity for me also to do some verification. Like, what was I reading into the situation? Or I could have just looked some, obviously where I live in Orange County, people look very familiar oftentimes. So you could be like, I know, I know you from somewhere. Like, was it that kind of stare? Or was it the like, I really hope they come over. But that meekness is a, a quality, I think, that most men have to overcome that it's okay. Even if you go make the advance, be polite, be kind. Right. A joke goes a very long way for most people. It breaks the ice, the tension. And if it doesn't work out, at least you have that confidence and that practice. That is data for whatever advance you're going to make the next time if it worked or it didn't work. Oh my God. It's so great that yeah. you did that because uh, um, years ago, uh, pre-pandemic days, um, when I was at a bar, I remember my favorite bar, but uh, like a very young guy came up to me yes. and uh, and he he was like, he was, mm-hmm. you know, laying on yeah. thick. And I just, I made jokes and I yeah. said, boo-boo, like, yeah. I promise you, you're wasting your time yeah. here. But I was super fun yeah. and nice yeah. about yeah. it. And I said, and I was like, trust me. Mm-hmm. Like there's somebody here tonight who's going to love this. So like do this with somebody else because you're wasting your time on me because I'm telling you you're a baby right now. Like, like, you know, and I'm not one of those people that like got off on that. So I was like, I'm okay. Yeah. Um, and at first he was like pushing back, pushing up, but I was like being But that's the approach honest. I want to win. Yeah. I already, it's like the yes. sunk cost fallacy in real estate. I've already invested so much time, energy, effort, resource, whatever in yeah. this. I want it to work. It's yes. like, okay, well, if you bought a fixer upper and now you've put more money into fixing it up than you did in your original investment, it's time to sell. Like cut your losses, call a spade a spade, move on. Same approach. You weren't telling him change these things. It sounds like it was a good no. approach, just not your type. Totally. And and, the, and then, yes. but it was also the idea of like one being kind to somebody mm-hmm. and then, and you know, cracking yeah. jokes along the way. And he was pushing back, but I said, trust me. And then he took the hint mm-hmm. and he got it. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the night, he was like, right, like grinding up on yes. a girl and he looked over at me and he winked and I was like, good. Like See? Yes. You, you did it. It's you a reparative did the, experience. Yes. yes. And, and uh, it's cool that mm-hmm. you, you know, you also did that. Yeah, um, definitely. And what about women then? Like when it comes to you know, that idea of trying to find confidence and assertiveness and so I'm I am biased because the women I usually work with are like the multi six, seven figure female entrepreneurs who are like, I don't need a man. And I was like, you ever want one though? Like to draw you a bath or like, I don't know, be there when you get home from your super long day of being Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's that fear of vulnerability. And somewhere along the way they learned that they had to be so self-reliant. 
and also likely that they couldn't rely on others, especially a man, whatever narrative that comes from, whether, again, it's childhood, first partnership did not work out that well. And there's also a huge difference between your first love and your first attachment. And so many people get caught up in the delusion and illusion of the first attachment setting the tone for all attachments to come because it's so new and it's so exciting. Your brain and body have never experienced that kind of romantic love before. (laughs) It does set part of the template. It becomes part of your love blueprint unless it's worked on in therapy or coaching to re-narrate that. If you are so hell-bent on showing other people how much you don't need them, think about what kind of guy that's going to attract. Non-committal, not going to really be there for you or is really going to attempt to give you everything. So men look at your life when you're heteronormative in a heteronormative relationship. And if they can't provide you, they think that you want everything that you have, whether that's like tchotchke stuff in the house, trips, nice bags, what have you. If they look at that and they can't provide it, they will exit your life. They're not even going to try to put themselves up to the challenge because it's an immediate failure. It's not a win. They'll avoid it. Despite your best efforts to convince them, it may not yield that way. But if they do look at your life and go, I could provide that, they're going to try to. And if you block them every chance they get, they're not going to feel like they're going to win. You will essentially be emasculating them. They're going to leave. So I work with a lot of the women to tone it way down, rein it way in. It doesn't mean he doesn't value that you're a CEO or a business owner or what have you. That's not what is going to make him want to commit to you. Those are not necessarily the traits that men look for. There's like a very specific list and being a CEO boss bitch is not on the list at all. Uh, and all the years that I've seen this list evolve, it's not on the list. It's authenticity, it's playfulness, it's being open and receptive. That is a huge quality that you want to, the real flex should be how open and receptive can I be, mm-hmm. not how much can I provide for myself? Because where would a person coming into your life even have a place if you've got you and you don't want anybody else to have you too? And it is totally a form of defensiveness, right? And protecting yourself that the society has taught us men don't want women who are successful. And and so we internalize this thing that, well, like, no guy's ever going to actually be okay with this, so I don't need them. Mm -hmm. And changing that narrative that there are lots of guys who love independent women and they have independent lives, but they also want a person that is respectful Mm -hmm. and nurturing the same way you can have a man that is successful and nurturing and kind and respectful. Like those those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And that's like a hard thing for people to um, remember. But, Mm -hmm. But with women also, sometimes I find that like like you said many times, we have a hard time asserting ourselves in a relationship mm-hmm. when our needs are not getting met. Mm-hmm. So what are some tools or, or tips yeah. that people can kind of use to, yeah, or, yeah, or to at least learn to start talking yeah. about it? Yeah. So to, I, I think two notes on this. Women often tell men what they need by complaining that they're not getting it. They'll criticize and complain and be contemptuous and like all the C words that you want to avoid in communication. And then they're baffled. Well, why didn't he pick up on it? I would have known to do that. We're very projective. We think that a man is like a woman or thinks like a woman. We do not. We don't. We have the same brain structures, but they don't function the exact same way. And the way that we view the world because of our hormones and our biochemistry is unique and different and just as necessary as the way that men view the world. Obviously, that we can borrow from one another's viewpoints, but that's not innate. It's not an instinct or innate to us sometimes. So instead of complaining 
what isn't happening, what isn't working. You're so lazy, you're so this, and then adding contempt, which is like, well, you're so lazy, I would never do that. That's only motivating to us because we like to avoid criticism. It's that whole in-group, out-group thing socially. Men are motivated by winning, so it's more vulnerable, but you have to say what you would rather. I want this, I need this. And because humans are like, oh my God, I said I need this. I, I said this, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Better to find out sooner than later. So don't criticize and don't use defensiveness or contempt as a way to get your needs met. Do instead, first step is differentiating, differentiating between a want and a need. A need is like a deal breaker. The relationship cannot survive without it. A want, if it's met, the relationship will do better when it happens, but it's not going to not, it's not a deal breaker. It's not going to make or break the dynamic. You'll just enjoy the relationship more, especially if all your needs are getting met. So you as an individual need to be clear with what you want and need. And if you have those needs, fly your freak flag early and often lead with the need 100% of the time from the beginning. If you want texts every single day, let the person know. If you want five date nights a week, let the person know, like whatever you're wanting and needing, let that be known in the beginning and let the person consent to whatever type of relationship you're wanting. Don't downplay the needs. Having needs doesn't make you needy. It's how or whether or not you express them that actually would indicate more of a neediness or nagging or, oh, they always want so much. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe it's how they're asking for it that sounds like they want a lot because they're being passive, indirect, passive, indirect 10 times. And then it's the 11th time that they're saying it vulnerably. And the person's like, I heard you the first 10 times. Well, you didn't do anything about it. That's also data. Maybe that person can't meet your needs or they don't know what your need is because you don't know what your need is, but you're expecting the other person to read your mind because that's what you would do. You'd anticipate others' needs. That's a very feminine, womanly trait, I would say, because that's part of like kin keeping and it's part of how we keep our families alive. We're trained by babies, so we'll try anything. Men are not trained by babies. <laughs> right. No, no, they are not. Um, yeah. Do you think when it comes to applying some of these, I I can imagine listeners feeling scared of like, well, I don't, I, I don't want to ruffle feathers and, and where do I start? And, um, something that I tell the people I work with is oftentimes to start in low stake situations. Yes. Because definitely. I'm like, you are an intern yeah. <laughs> trying to get yes. to a CEO level. Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, low stakes. Yeah. I need a glass of water. Learn the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And because that can be a need, I need to eat. That's then ask the person to accompany you on a meal or share something that you're interested in. And the best thing that you can do, and this pulls from dialectical behavioral therapy by Marsha Linehan is making sure that when you ask for it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing her work, but you, you have an alternate request already built in. So that person doesn't feel and this is where my therapist had is my philosophy. So that person doesn't feel entirely responsible for only ever being the one to meet your needs. You're demonstrating and modeling. I'd love for you to be on the journey with me to meet this need. However, if that's not possible, here's what I will do to meet that need. So it takes the pressure off and it can also create lower stakes for the person to be like, oh yeah, I'd love to go to dinner with you rather than them feeling bullied or pressured into it. Well, like, will you never say, this is where the criticism, yeah, will you yeah. never say yes when I will? Just go yourself. If you love yeah. chili so much, go get some chicken crispers on your own. You don't need your partner to go with you. 
you want them to go with you. You do need to eat, however, though. So go take care of that need. And and sometimes that simple thing of turning it into a feel statement helps yeah. a lot too, right? It's not that the situation is necessarily right or wrong. It's just you're feeling this way about it. And mm-hmm. I know that's really helped my partner and I all the time mm-hmm. where I go, I actually start with a conversation sometimes going, I'm not saying this is the truth. I'm saying my, this is yes. just how I yeah. feel yeah. that this, this, this. Yes. And then you know, and then trying to avoid the always and nevers and, you know, but, but sometimes that's hard too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think like as somebody who had to learn assertiveness, especially, Mm -hmm. um, over the years, I started in very small Mm -hmm. ways, like, and didn't even have to be with somebody I was dating. Yeah. It was a server. I have extra ranch at the post office. Could you change the delivery date? Like, it's, it starts with the, there's like levels. I used to teach this group. There's like levels of intensity in the ask and there's levels of intensity in the dynamic of the relationship. So it's like a stranger all the way to your most intimate partner and somebody something that's very low stakes to high stakes. Obviously, if it's your most intimate partner and it's very high stakes, we might not be our most assertive selves. Mm-hmm. Despite our best training, I still fail at this oftentimes because I'm a person, not a robot. I didn't get things surgically removed and implanted in grad school in the emotion sense. So I think it helps to know you're going to have to learn at this and work at this because like you mentioned in the beginning, we evolve. And ideally, evolutions of ourselves include our partners, but that's not always the case. This has all been so, so helpful. Um, and as we wrap out this episode... Uh, this is very random, but kind of speaking when it comes to confidence mm-hmm. and uh, assertiveness specifically, what do you think of ultimatums? Like, are are those actual, <laughs> is that like an actual act of confidence or assertiveness? That's an act of desperation and and clearly not reading signals and hints or whatever spectrum, like a, a very direct behavior is the one end of the spectrum. A hint is the other side, like hinting at something. I guess I should flip it. Ultimatums, if done properly, if done early on, if done as a deal breaker where in, in parenting coaching, I talk about this a lot too, and even in, in family therapy sessions, if the person knows what the benefits and consequences are, prior to engaging in the behavior and you're following up with it, or you're very clearly sharing, if this happens, then this will happen. What are your thoughts on that? Like if it's framed like that, not if you don't do this or if you do do this or else, the first kind that I mentioned, that's an appropriate ultimatum because you're letting people know where your limits lie. That's fine. Most people are like even the Netflix show. Well, we've been dating for this amount of time and I can't tell you in the first season how many guys, rightfully so in their early 20s, are like, I would like to feel more financially stable because the whole thing, I'm going to look at your life and see what provisions I can give you or not give you. It's better for you if you wait, but women are usually so, and we do have the biological timeline, not even just for kids. We have this internal timeline of like three months, nine months, and 15 months when it comes to relationships for like three months, ironically, is the amount of time it takes for viability for a fetus. Nine months when they can actually be born. And then 15 months, if you're not our husband, we're dumping you because we just have this like egg time that we have to go on. And it's frustrating for us. It's frustrating for the male partners we have. So many of the women I work with in dating coaching, ultimatum wise, are like, well, it's been this amount of time. Where's my ring? What? Who promised you in the beginning? Did he sit down and tell you, by the, by the way, by 15 months, I'm either going to give you a ring or I'm not. In which case, that wouldn't be an ultimatum. He'd be giving you a heads up. Then you could more reasonably be like, buddy, 
like, where are we going with this? So knowing that you will have a different timeline, you have to ask yourself, is the timeline the most important thing or is who I'm crossing those time markers with the most important thing? Do you want a husband or do you want this person to be your husband? Do you want a boyfriend or do you want that specific person to fill that role? Like, what are you really after? So no, I don't think ultimatums work mainly because the way that they're worded is so desperate. You're trying to force someone into a decision that works best for you that clearly they have not made up until that point is not going to work for them. And they've probably vocalized that to you, but you're just so hellbent on it being a certain thing, a certain way, very selfishly, honestly, that is much different. That's that's a last ditch effort. I don't think Netflix honestly ever should have made that show. It's great TV, but it's not teaching people societally how to get what they want effectively. Actually, the show is pretty terrible too. Yeah. The premise makes no sense. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. So, so we took Nick Lachey. And it sounds, so we took a break and it works. So we made a show out of it. Let's get some twenty something year olds. Yeah, but it also doesn't make sense because it's like they're saying the there's one yeah. partner who wants to get married, yes. and that's the ultimatum. Yes. But they're saying, hey, I want to get married. So let's go on a show where we date other people. Uh-huh. And we have to watch. We and, have to break and then up you, and then watch each other date other people. But you have to still decide to marry me, even yes. though I'm saying I don't want to yes. be with other people. Yes. I only want you, but I'm going to date yes. other people. Yes. What? To I'm prove like, to you how much I actually do want to end up with you. <laughs> it makes no, no sense. And it, it removes the, the actual human nature that if that were indeed the case where you're like, I'd like to marry you. Where are you at? And the other person's like, look, I'm not ready. In real life, you would have a breakup. You'd have healing. You'd have to go actually out and meet somebody. You'd have to face the online dating world, the in-person dating world right now, which is terrifying. So I'm glad we're doing this podcast. All of those uh, experiment factors are removed when you're on a dating show. You don't actually have to face what it would be like to go be single and find another person to marry. And a lot of the times, I'm not saying that's a good thing, that will scare you out of giving an ultimatum because you look and you're like, shit, I don't really want to go date, find a new person, fall in love again. Like out of wanting to avoid all of that, you know, cascade of interventions almost, you you take a new look at who you're with and go, you know what? Not settling in a bad way. I actually, I've been overreacting. I can make this work. It is most important that you and I are husband and wife, wife and wife, you know, husband, husband, what have you. Our partnership is the most important thing, regardless of what the label or the title is the commitment is the most important thing. Mm. Married people cheat. I'm not oh, saying that it, I'm advocating for it. A title, a label, a ring, a, a, a ring, a threesome and a baby are not going to save your relationship. They don't mean what, unless you agree upon it, they don't mean what your partner might think it means. So for you being like, okay, I want a ring. Okay, what if he's still cheating? Well, no, I don't want him to cheat. Well, then well, pick then what you want. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's what are you really, really after? Your mind. Yeah. Exactly. I know, I actually have a, a, I'm pretty harsh about the ultimatum thing. I actually yeah. feel like people who do that are skirting responsibility themselves and accountability. Like they don't want to yeah. make a decision. Yes. Because really the onus falls on you. If yeah. somebody's not treating you or showing up Would you for you the if way they, they said no. Yeah. But, no, because some but people are still of, there fighting. Instead yeah. of making the choice yeah. themselves of what is right for them in a relationship, they offload it onto the yeah, other person. So that, yes. hey, you make the decision yeah. for us. Yes. So that if this fucks up, you're it's the bad on guy. You. You're the bad object. Instead yes. of me yes. making an actual secure yes. decision because yes. this is what I want to need in my life or digging deep. And is- the way you just worded it is how when you say it from the start, it avoids being the negative version of an ultimatum. And it's just so you know, I'm looking for a marriage partner in dating. If that's not something that you're looking for, please let me know now so we can go our separate ways. Sounds like an ultimatum, 
but it's not an ultimatum in the way of gently bullying somebody into complying with your worldview. That's that's where that TV show kind of comes in more so. But you leading with your wants and needs and deal breakers is the kind thing to do in dating. Those technically are mm-hmm. ultimatums. If this FX, then Y, lead with those in the beginning. Lead with those deal breakers in the beginning and you actually have to be a person of your word and have integrity. You can't be like, if you cheat on me, I'm gonna leave you. And then we're six times in and they're like, mm, no, you're not. <laughs> like, are you though? Because you haven't shown that you are. So you're not being in truth. I'm not being in truth. What is this relationship even? No, I mean, all of this is uh, so fascinating. I feel like I can keep talking to you about this forever, but we do have another episode <laughs> yes, we that do. we got to record. Yes. Um, and I'm also very mindful of like, you're very preggers. I need to make <laughs> sure that you're, you get water, that you're fed, you need to <laughs> like go to the bathroom. Yes. Um, also guys, if you're hearing a lot of noise in the back, just You've- know that- there's, there are kids around, you know, this is a home studio. Um, I'm not an asshole. I'm not going to yell at them to stop. You're so, you're so much nicer than I am because I'm sitting there being like, we're recording a podcast. I know. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but they actually, they they never play this early, yeah. but um, here we are. So, uh, you know, if you hear stuff in the back, just uh, just be mindful that there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a world happening around. Yes, um, definitely. But Talia, this is so fascinating. Thank uh, and thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. You're not completely done Mm -mm. because we do something called six questions where now (laughs) the spotlight is on you, mama. Great. Okay. So uh, this is where we ask every guest the exact same six questions. Um, It's like rapid fire. So, you know, don't even think about it too much. Um, But Talia, are you ready for your six questions? I think so. Yes. I hope so. You got this. (laughs) Uh, What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Their size, like their stature. I prefer men who are built like a Maytag refrigerator. <laughs> like if you're on any offensive line team, I'm in. I like. I very mean, I large can guys. imagine firefighter yeah. slash yeah. baseball coach. Yes, um, yeah. or I like former them, baseballer. Like, well built because I I think projectively I see myself as like a pit bull exterior, golden retriever interior. So if I think I'm like alpha and bigger than I really am, I would like somebody where I can feel like small and dainty. Plus I do weightlifting. Well, not as much now, obviously with the baby, but. I feel that power and strength and I want that embodied in the type of partner that I go for. So that's usually my like big thing, especially like a big upper body, but it can't be that weird split where they have like tiny little chicken legs, <laughs> like big all over would be great. Yeah. I love this. Very yeah. specific. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I love that you know you want. Yes. Um, uh, what is one deal breaker? Unwillingness. Mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, it's like cheating or abuse, like all of those things for sure. For me, not necessarily go without saying, I'm definitely clear those are ultimatums in the beginning. Unwillingness to work through infidelity is one of them. It's very complex. Well, why did it happen? What what was going on that we co-created if that did come up? Let's be willing to explore it. We don't need to be willing to stay together, but there's a willingness to look inward at what my contribution was to whatever I'm not liking about the relationship. So if somebody's unwilling to do the work, the growth, stuff around the house, whatever it might be, that is a huge turnoff and deal breaker for me. Well, what turns you on? Uh, humor, for sure. Uh, the size, obviously, the sheer brute force. Uh, having some sort of passion in life. So where they have like this outlet they're really passionate about and their like eyes light up when they can talk about something. And acts of service is one of my love languages. So things getting done around the house or like reservations being booked, that's probably the sexiest thing. I'll pick pick you up at six. Dinner's at this, like wear this kind of outfit. I'm like, ha, because it totally puts me in my feminine. I don't have to plan anything because I have to plan so much for the rest of my life. I don't want to plan 
when I'm in my partnership. Oh, so, makes complete sense. Yeah. But you know, you're also a therapist, so yes. you're very um, in tune. But yes. what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Ooh. Strength? I'm really good at apologizing and taking accountability. I actually think I seek out situations almost too analytically. I'm like, okay, how could I have made that better? Do I need to apologize? For, like, it's like an overcorrection. That stuff feels like a job interview. And my weakness is that I care too much. No, my <laughs> weakness is that I do have a susceptibility to slip into codependency or caretaking and then being resentful about it. So that's something that I work on in my own individual therapy, not taking my therapeutic lens of overanalyzing everything and weighing too much in childhood into my romantic relationships. I do need to shut that part of my brain off more. What is yeah. love? Ooh, that's a, that's a whole episode. Uh, love is a choice. It's also a feeling. And there are many other countries who have multiple words for different kinds of love. I think um, in English, we limit ourselves so much because we just have this one word that describes so many different feelings and different relationships. I think it varies. Love varies per person, but it's a. It, I think it's defined by Webster's like a deep affiliation and care for another person, like affinity for another person. So I would agree with that definition of love. But I do also think there's a choice to it and there's some forgiveness, there's limits of tolerance, there's understanding, there's willingness, there's so many other traits underneath that umbrella of love. But at the end of the day, it is something that we choose. It's an act that we keep going back to and nurture and have to nourish like a garden and looking at the flip side of it when it's not a healthy relationship, we do have to choose to stop loving that person. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally. We have to like force ourselves out to be like, that's not what love is. I thought that was what love was, but it's not. It's not healthy. If it's not growing you, it's probably time to wrap up whatever the relationship or love might be, even in family. If it's not healthy, if they're not respecting your boundaries, or if you can't be your full authentic self, that would be you muting yourself. That's not loving to yourself. So I think at the end of the day, it's a feeling and a choice. Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Ooh, that's a tough one. Off the cuff. Okay. Besides I love you, three words I would want my partner to tell me. Probably I've got this. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever this yeah. might be, that would help me feel very confident and calm. I like, love okay, that. I can follow your lead. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell you, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank How can everyone me. find you and your podcast and all your work? Uh, I am similar to you all across uh, the, for the kind of dating all across social media. It's at Talia Bombola. And then my website, therapywithtalia.com and my coaching website, taliabombola.com have all the links to my podcasts. And I think it's in my Instagram bio. Also, it should be in there too. Awesome. Yeah. And guys, uh, we are going to have all the uh, her links in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you follow her. She's fucking brilliant here. So uh, do that and uh, follow us. We're on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok. Thank you so much, guys, for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, screenshot the episode and tag us on social media. And finally, I know it seems tough out there. But just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandale. Aisha Holden is my co-host and our social media producer. And we only sound great thanks to our producer and audio engineer, Adam Pineless. 
The opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yenick and K. Daniel Ellis.